Thank you for taking time to listen to our service. We're happy you've joined us today. Visit NBCOcala.com to find out more about who we are as a ministry or get information about upcoming events. There you can also discover all the convenient ways to partner with us financially. Thanks again for joining us. Enjoy the service. Will you help me welcome our internet family if you would? God bless you guys. Peace to your house. Well, as we start this series this morning, um, I want to um, look at a couple of uh, maybe some ground rules as, as we enter this. First of all, I've discovered over the years, and I think I've been in ministry like 37, 38 years now, started as an infant. And um, one of the things I've really learned about ministry is ministry is, is people prepare, but it's also people repair. And it seems to me as time goes on, it's more and more about repair. And so um, we hope to do both in this series, some prepare and also some repair. Also, I tend to teach in series. So this will be six weeks. And we believe that a series is actually a season. Everybody say season. It's actually a season where I believe God is speaking to us as a church family. And what should happen is this. It's, it should help you. But it, then it also should help you to help some other people, okay? And so that's just the way it works. Hurt people hurt people, but guess what? Helped people help people. We're blessed to be a blessing. So as we receive help, and I pray that your heart would be open, that God, I want, I want help. I need help, all of us. We also then want to comfort others with the same comfort that we ourselves have, have been comforted with. Amen? Um, also, and I, and I want to make a big point of this, uh, I'm going to describe some situations and talk about some things, and you're going to swear that I'm talking about you, uh, and I'm not. I'm not, okay? Listen, as, as we share about some things and brokenness with, within family and so forth, please hear this. This is not a house of condemnation. This is a house of grace and truth. Jesus said, I did not come to condemn the world it came to save the world and john 1 14 says how he came to save the world he came full of grace and truth if we're going to get help we're going to have to have that balance of grace and truth bring those together i don't want you to sit here embarrassed i don't want you to feel ashamed don't feel like you're being picked on we have to locate where we are and then we continue on this journey remember our whole goal is to move from where we are to where god wants us to be so can we play by those rules today? And that we'll hunger and thirst for the truth that will help us and that it will set us free. Let's go back to the very, very beginning, the book of Genesis. God created, in case you're ever wondering about that, did he create it or just was this just a bunch of goo that evolved? Um, this uh, all was created. And wherever there, wherever there's a, a design, there is a designer. And the creator God created, and then he created his, his prized possession, and that was mankind. And he made man in his likeness and in his image. And then he gave a mandate for mankind. He said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and rule over it and subdue it. And then we see man active going along. His name was Adam. And before long, the Lord said, it's not good that man should be alone. So he caused a deep sleep to come on the man, and then he opened his side and actually took a rib from the man, closed the flesh back. I don't know entirely how all this worked, but that was the first surgery. <laughs> and he took of man 
and he made the, the fitting helper for man, not a bone out of his head to be over him, not a bone out of his feet to be beneath him, but a bone out of his side to be beside him in life and to help one another. And so um, he made woman, and I think mankind 2.0, which was Eve, way better than Adam. You know, just, just anyway. Um, so we've got Adam and Eve. You've got the first man and woman. And God said, he sets forth a principle then. And he said this. He said, you're to leave father and mother. And this is before any of all that happened. But he sets the principle in motion. Leave father and mother. Cleave to one another. Be united. Be one. And we have now the first institution that God made. The first institution God made is family. Everybody say family. Two verses later, enter the serpent. Here comes the devil. And from then all the way through, his central target, the main thing the devil wants to attack, distort, destroy, has to do with the family. Why? Why does the enemy want to destroy family? Here's here's why. And this is what we're going to unfold today here. It's because of what God's purpose was for the family. It's what his purpose was for the family. And so let's look at this a little bit this morning. That's the issue. God's plan, God's purpose for the family. What do we mean? What he intended for it to be like and then what what he wanted to come out of it. So follow this. God's plan and purpose for the family has to do with what he wants family to be like and then what he wants to come out of the family. Okay, what is that? He wants family to be a healthy, safe, God-honoring place that produces healthy, whole. And by healthy, I'm not just talking about physical health. I'm talking about complete wholeness. A, a healthy, safe, God-honoring place, family, that produces healthy, whole, godly individuals. So, it's not so much family that the enemy is after. It's what family produces. So, the enemy is not so much after family. Oh, yeah, that's his target. But he's being preemptive in this. He's attacking the family because what family produces is individuals. So, he must be preemptive in this way. He must bomb the factory, he must poison the well. He has to cut off the pipeline, not family itself, but what family produces. Herein is God's plan and purpose for the family is what the family produces. So the family is to be certain things. It's to be like certain things to fulfill his plan and purpose for the family so that what comes out of that are healthy, whole, and godly individuals. Are you with me so far? So again, he has to attack here. How many of you, your family has been attacked? How many of you, the devil has not found your address yet? How many, how many of you, let's just, let's just be honest with this. You have, you would be willing to admit, I have some things in my life, some insecurities or whatever, some hurts, pains, whatever in my life that came from my childhood. Do you know why? Because the enemy wanted you hindered and limited today. So he lobbed attacks against your family forever ago. Now, here's, here's the thing we must look at. Family is designed to perpetuate. 
Family is designed to perpetuate. What happens in family is to be passed on to generation and to generation. And that can happen in a beautiful, positive way. That can also happen in a horrible, negative way that family perpetuates. And what's in a family gets passed on to the next generation and to the next generation. Family is designed to perpetuate. We read in the scripture, I quoted it earlier out of of Genesis 1, that it says, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. It's perpetuating. We also see in that same chapter that everything God created had seed of its own kind, which would produce after its own kind. Family is designed to perpetuate. And family will perpetuate. Family will pass on what is happening in family. It will. For example, it will perpetuate either blessing or curse. Whole or broken. Free or bound. Shaped and equipped or damaged and ill-equipped. Passes on insecurity, ignorance, illness, anger, addiction, divorce, abuse, And let me tell you something, we'll we'll talk more about this in this series. If things have happened in your family, you know, with your parents, with your grandparents, with you, get this, what you don't forgive, you will repeat. What you don't forgive, you will repeat. If you were violated in some way, if you don't forgive, you will repeat in some way, in some form of promiscuity or something. If there was alcohol in the family and the neglect and abuse and the, and the limitations that came from that and you don't forgive that, you're going to have more of a propensity toward addiction and those kind of things. It just happens. What happens in family gets perpetuated. We're going to have to forgive and we'll look at that as we go along, but we must get these principles to start with. So the enemy must mess with the mix of family. He must mess with with the makeup of family, the dynamics of home, he must do that so that the family then produces or turns out broken, confused, angry, limited, damaged individuals. Watch this. The devil must mess with the mix of family so then we have some limited, damaged individuals who will eventually do what? Start a family. In one form or another. So guess what? It goes on, it goes on, it goes on. And everything will be perpetuated unless and until somebody surrenders to God. Until somebody opens the door, whether they crawl their way to the door or whatever they do, to open the door of your family, so to speak, and say, Jesus, come in, we surrender to you. And until... Listen, you can do all the pragmatic, natural things. Um, You can watch Oprah. You can do whatever, but you're never going to solve or free yourself from spiritual issues with just pragmatic, natural things. You're going to have to get the lordship of Jesus into family. There's no hope for things to be broken without a Savior coming in. You can't fix spiritual ills with natural things. We've got to get a Savior into our home. Now, you say, well, 
you know, my family was Christian, but still all of this happened. I'm talking about surrender. I'm talking about the lordship of Jesus, his rule in our life, in our home, and welcoming him, inviting him, and insisting that he come into our family dynamic. Can I get an amen on that this morning? Now, part of the attack, and this is the art of war, part of the attack is to bring confusion. Confusion. Confusion over what God said. Confusion over if there even is God or if his word matters. Confusion over gender. Confusion over family roles. Efforts to redefine what family even is. Efforts to devalue family and individuals. Confusion even about who the real enemy is. So many people think their spouse is the enemy. Others think it's their kids are the enemy. Um, your in-laws are the enemy. I mean, even though mother-in-laws tend to get the brunt of, of family jokes, right? Uh, my mother-in-law and I, I have, not, I have not talked to her in over two years. We're not fighting or anything. I just don't want to interrupt her. <laughs> that was a joke. I couldn't wait to use that one. <laughs> Mama, if you're watching, love you. Right. Yeah, I got another one too. You want to hear it? So the wife said to her husband, you hate all of my relatives. He said, no, I don't. He said, in fact, I like your mother-in-law better than mine. You can use that. Look with me in Ephesians chapter 6. Come on back. Come on back. (laughs) Ephesians chapter 6. Paul says a final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Verse 11. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. Verse 12. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. We're not fighting people. But against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. Against mighty powers in the dark world. And against evil spirits in the heavenly places. It's a hierarchy of evil against us. Verse 13. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. So we are not fighting against family. Get this. We are fighting for our families. We have to fight for our families. Look in Nehemiah chapter 4 verse 14. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families. Fight for your families, for your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. Fight for your family. Say it. Fight for your family. You know, I, I just wish sometimes, I'm thinking back to my own childhood. I wish, I wish my family hadn't fought each other. I wish they'd fought for the family. You know, and I'm 57 years old and still every holiday and multiple times throughout the year, I'm, I'm still feeling things, remembering things, thinking of things. And I wish somebody had fought for the family instead of fighting each other. But don't you see that was the plan all along of the enemy? You have to bomb the factory. You have to, you have to attack the family. 
because of what the family produces. What does the family produce? You and I. It produces us. We are today largely the result of what happened in our families. There's a saying that all roads lead back to someone's house. And so what what we received or didn't receive, what happened to us or didn't happen to us or for us in those places affects us even today. We must fight for our families. Amen. Um, One of the fights, and then I want to get into four things that are going to help us to kind of fortify our homes. But I, I want to talk about one of the fights that we have today. And it has to do partially with a very, very powerful thing in our day, unique to our day, to our generation, and it is called technology. And what technology does, it is so powerful. If we do not manage, if we do not tame technology in the right way, it will open portals into darkness that, let me go ahead and call it what it is, pornography. And pornography is poison, and it is epidemic, and it is damaging, it is demeaning, it is devaluing, and it is dangerous. Now, if anyone's dealing with this, listen to me. I'm not calling you a pervert at all. This is, this is so dangerous and so powerful, we don't know fully how to handle technology that would bring it to any place. We've even, we even know of it happening in classrooms because children have access to things. You need to guard your children. You need to guard your kids. I know it's more, more easy and, and it's in now to give, you know, phones and iPads and things to our children. But make sure there are, there are restrictions on there. And our preteens and our teens and guess who else? The adults to make sure that we have something to help us to stay safe. Because you, you don't even need to invite some of this stuff. It will show up in a car commercial and a yogurt commercial and in Super Bowl commercials. We have a sexually saturated society and it's all around us. And then you take a preteen or a teen and hormones are raging and coming on and they're discovering their own body and everything else. And now all of this is coming at them. They don't know how to handle it. Forgive me for saying this, but I've said for years, if you put some monkeys in a room with a copy machine, before long, you're going to have pictures of monkey butts. (laughs) Because it was there. So let's don't destroy anybody. Let's don't shame anybody. Let's help somebody. Let's help somebody. And parents, listen to me. Parents, listen to me. Don't just assume that's other kids. That's not my kid. Don't assume Don't make that dangerous assumption. Learn how to impose parental restrictions on your devices. And there's even age-appropriate restrictions that you get. If you don't know how to do it, go talk to somebody at where you got your your phone. Put it on your phone, on your tablets, on your your computers. Are are you all hearing me? Well, it's not that bad. Yeah, you're going to let your kids drink poison, play with with dangerous things. You, you, You can't do it. Google, Chrome, Yahoo, whatever. Get online and find out how do I put restrictions on so that they can't get apps and different things. Because there's not only the problem with pornography coming toward us, there's what they call porn 2.0, which is user-generated porn coming in sexting and pictures that are getting sent and secret apps that mom and dad don't have a clue. But see, there are ways to lock that down and to monitor that. Make sure that you're putting out the effort to do it. Well, my kids are going to get mad at me. I'd rather have them mad at me and, and help them to stay on a better, better path. Amen? Now, a couple other things. Here's a couple tools for everybody, okay? 
Here's a couple twos. This is an internet accountability. This is what I use. I have several internet accountability partners, Covenant Eyes. And um, it helps you not just with filtering, but any place that I would go online, it's going to go. It's going to report to um, my accountability partners. Another one is called X3 Watch. X3 Watch, essentially the same thing. And then there are some books available. Some books available. Uh, Steve Arterburn and some others. It's Every Man's Battle. This is for men. There's also a daily devotional you can get. Every Man's Battle daily devotional. Every Young Man's Battle and a Young Man's Devotional as well that'll go with that. And you say, good, we got the guys taken care of. Guess what's becoming epidemic? It's a problem for women and young women. So there's Every Woman's Battle, Discovering God's Plan for Sexual and Emotional Fulfillment. And then Every Young Woman's Battle, Guarding Your, heart, your Mind, Heart, and Body in a Sex-Saturated World. All of this information will be on our notes. You can come back and archive. And also, if you're following on version today, it is in our notes there. There are links to all of these so that you can find those, okay? Hey, we do have tools. We do not have to lose. And you must fight for your family. Amen. Amen. Quickly. Quickly, four things to help us kind of fortify our homes a little bit as, as we fight for our family. Number one, demonstrate your love. Demonstrate your love. Say that with me. Demonstrate your love. You can ask somebody, no matter how rascally they are, do you, well, don't you love your family? And they're going to say, of course I love my family. But did you know it's not what you say, it's what you show. And you have to demonstrate love. Romans 5, 8 said that Jesus demonstrated his love. Alicia was quoting from that verse earlier. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He demonstrated his love. We demonstrate love by saying it, by sheltering the people we love, by caring for the people we love, by covering the people we love, by checking on the people we love, by cheering on the people we love, by, by cheering up the people that we love. Here, here's a quick way to remember all of that. Here it is. Hear, hug, and help. Hear, come on, say it with me. Hear, hug, and help. Demonstrate your love. Secondly, evaluate your values. Evaluate your values. If there's trouble in home, you're not living by some values that work, God's principles. So you've either never defined values for your family or you've drifted from the values of your family. Here's the thing. Your values inform your priorities. And your priorities make your decisions for you. I'll say that again. Your values inform your priorities. And your priorities will make your decisions for you. The culture of your home, just like any other culture, our staff culture, our church culture, the culture of your home is formed, get this, it is formed by what you model and by what you tolerate. What you model and what you tolerate. You know, when I was coming up, I would hear this often. Don't do what I do, do what I say. And that makes you can't wait to do what they do. It, it breeds rebellion. You have to model that this is the way to live. This is the way to do things right. So the culture of your home is going to be formed and framed by what you model and what you tolerate. And what you tolerate in your home has to do with what your values are, not your kids' friends' values. But so-and-so's mom lets that, mm-mm-mm. We don't. We don't. We do this. And I'm not talking about being over-restrictive 
or being overprotective. Neither one of those works. We'll talk about that in a moment. But we're talking about having godly values in our home, modeling them, and that informs what we tolerate as well. Look in Haggai chapter 1. If it sounds like I'm going fast, it's because I am. (laughs) Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts. Should we even listen to that? Yeah, this is the Lord of hosts. He says, consider your ways. Evaluate your values. Look, look at this. You've sown much and bring in little. You eat but do not have enough. You drink but you're not filled with drink. You clothe yourself but no one is warm. Next verse. And he who earns wages earns wages to put into a bag with holes. What is all that saying? What you're doing's not working. What you're doing's not working. So verse 7, here we go. Thus says the Lord of hosts again, consider your ways. You're going to have to evaluate your values. Next is this. Celebrate your family. Say it. Celebrate your family. Celebrate your spouse. Celebrate your children. You're only going to have your kids for a short time. I mean, we, we're almost out of kids. <laughs> we have five of them, and it's like they're, they're, they just go. It's the, it's the most joyful thing about our lives and it's the saddest thing about our lives you know and and we're blessed to see them you know becoming you know what God wants them to be but we're sad because they're they're not here anymore and they're here and they're gone and some of you are like amen good good news (laughs) I actually heard about a couple that said we've decided not to have children and their children are really taking it pretty hard to to, (laughs) Look at this, Proverbs 5. Rejoice. Rejoice with the wife of your youth. Look at this in Psalm 127. Children are a gift from the Lord. And some of you are thinking, yeah, I want a re-gift too. (laughs) Children are a gift from the Lord. A gift. They're a reward from him. Verse 4. Children are born to a young man like arrows in a warrior's hands. Verse 5. How joyful is the man whose quiver is, is full of them. Celebrate your family. Look for the good in your family. Have fun in your family. Let there be laughter in your house. Let there be feasting in your house. Let there be music in your house. And regarding feasting, eat together. Celebrate your family. And then lastly is this, dedicate your home. Dedicate your home. Not just your family, but where the family lives. Dedicate that home How you even decorate your home says a lot about what is important in your home. And so make sure that you dedicate your home. Look at this in Isaiah 32. My people will dwell in a peaceful habitation, in secure dwellings, and in quiet resting places. Home should be a place of shelter. It can be a place where you heal in every way. It should be a place of hospitality. It should be clean and cozy. And and cozy is a... Gilligan family core value. Cozy. Say cozy. Some of you are like, I don't know what that is. I know. (laughs) Clean and cozy. And by clean, I don't mean sterile and museum-like. I remember going over to some of my friend's house as a kid, and you go over to my friend and go, can't can't go in that room. Can't get on that furniture. Got clear plastic on the furniture. Got a clear thing across the carpet you got to walk on, you know. Again, man, I sure felt welcome too. You know, get some stuff you can sit on and roll around on and wrestle with your kids and grandkids and enjoy your house. And not 
not messy, not nasty. Anybody can be clean. I said anybody can be clean. But there's a cozy clutter that happens sometimes. You know, but we're raising a family there. Are you all hearing me? Much increase comes by the strength of the ox. We don't, we don't want to have the, the stable so clean that nothing's going on there. And make sure that it's a place that family can enjoy. Amen. And guard the atmosphere. Guard the atmosphere of the home. Be careful what you're watching on television, binge watching on Netflix. I know it's only 45 F words, but it's a great story. And then as you come and go from your house, declare peace to this house. I've done it for decades now. Every time I come and every time I leave, I say to my house, peace to this house. I want the peace of God in that house. And then listen to me, and never work against that peace. And if you do, work very hard to make it right as quick as you can. Amen? i got to stop right there, but did you all get anything at all out of this today? All right. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Meadowbrook Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at NBC Ocala.